morning, everybody. Welcome to Home Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started. Hope you had a great week. Our verse together. Read it's nice and short. Read with me. First Thessalonians 5:18. Be faithful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I am starting a brand new series today. Um, I just really felt led of the Lord to, to start a series on something that's encouraging. Do you need some encouragement? You know, I, I think we all need some encouragement. Uh, there's so much going on in the world that saddens us, that frustrates us, that angers us at times. Uh, but uh, God is faithful through it all. And what I wanted to, what I, uh, the series that I'm going to go on to be discussing is the promises of God. The promises of God. And I think, you know, it, it's amazing the number of promises that are in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen is spoken to us by, by the, spoken by us to the glory of God. Yes, amen. Yeah, it isn't exciting. You know, you, you, you're hearing a sermon and something you agree with. You just, yes, or amen. How many of you do that? Even if it's under your breath, it's kind of, amen. <laughs> Some of us are a little bit more outgoing and others are more private. But, uh, you know, it's so exciting to see that the excitement that we have, just like this young first year grader who comes to Christ, she's so excited. Let me encourage you, don't lose that excitement in your life. Don't lose the joy of your salvation. Don't lose the thrill of being saved. Don't lose the joy of having your sins forgiven. That God loves you unconditionally. He loves you. Loves you. And as Pastor Jonathan said, or that I mean, said Mark Lowry, he even likes you. <laughs> and you know the difference. You know, I love that. And it's so encouraging uh, today. And I hope that you'll be blessed by this lesson. Herbert Locklear, author and Bible scholar, found 7,147 promises of God in the Bible. So what I'm going to be doing for the next 7,100 <laughs> What's a promise? The dictionary defines the word promise as a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. And I just want to stop here real quick, though. I think I need to say this right up front. Because in our minds... There are things that we interpret as the promise of God that at times we get into our minds, this is the way God is. Okay? And we think, for here's an example, we think that God loves us and He does. Amen? Amen. Yes? Yes. But we perceive that when bad things happen to us, that God, for some reason, has stopped loving us. That if God really loved me, he wouldn't let that, whatever that is, happen. Okay? And I know I have heard this hundreds of times, especially from students. If God really loved me, why did he allow blank to occur? Because in some ways, we think, we really believe, even though we are, we are in the word of God, we've heard the word of God, we see the word of God preached, we hear it, we listen to it, we know... That tragedies and events have occurred throughout history. 
in the scripture over and over and over again that God's people have suffered. That our brothers and sisters in Christ today are being beheaded. They're in prison. They are in prison in damp, sickening conditions in which they are dying. And there are brothers and sisters in Christ. And why are they experiencing it? Because of their sin? Because of what they've done wrong? No, it's because they are followers of Jesus. And every day in my prayer, I pray for the persecuted church. I pray for those that are being persecuted around the world because they just simply believe in Jesus. Just like I mentioned a few weeks ago. The, and I, and I, I, I say this with all grace. Please understand where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to be harsh to anyone. But I get my online students will times talk about world religions that are out there that are so peaceful. You know, I was, you know, a student this week said, you know, Buddhists are, are so peaceful. It, it's, an, it's an appealing religion to follow because they're so full of peace. And I remind them, uh, just a couple weeks ago, Buddhists beheaded 12 families because they became followers of Jesus. That's not too peaceful. But it occurs. And it's not an indictment against Buddhism. It's against radicals who believe you don't have a right to believe what you want to believe. You either believe the way we do or you're dying. We see it in other religions and at times we even see it within Christianity. The people get persecuted for what they believe in. Jesus never forced himself on anybody. He, he was the light of the world. And that's what he calls us to be. To be light and soul. To be a blessing, not a curse. And yet at times people get off base with this. And we look at the promises of God and go, but God, your word says this, but it didn't happen. So again, you must not be real. And the promises of God are true. But some of them are unconditional. Some of them are conditional. And we know that. We know God's word. And yet at times when we go through challenging experiences, you know, it's like, he will always answer my prayer. Is that true? Will God always answer your prayer the way you want him to? No. What's one way God will answer your prayer? Yes. And he, he does whatever we've asked him to do. What else can he do? What else can he say? No. And sometimes because we ask amiss, we ask with the wrong motives, he doesn't do it either. And sometimes the third option that God chooses is what? Wait. It's not the right time. But God, I want it now. I want it now. Because we live in a now society, right? We want things immediately. We want instant gratification. We want our needs met now. Because otherwise, what would we have to do? Persevere. Persevere. Stay in prayer. Stay in prayer. Trust. Trust. I thought I heard some else. Think about it though. What is the Christian life? It is about walking by faith. Trusting God. But when it's all handed to us and we have nothing there, our, we don't need to have faith. We don't need to trust because it's all good. 
Some of you have went through experiences in which you had to deeply trust God because you didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. You didn't know if there was going to be food on the table. You didn't know if you were going to be healed. You didn't know what God was going to do. And it's a faith walk to trust Him. And sometimes God chooses to do things in ways that we would have never chosen for ourselves. It was interesting. Yesterday I was reading a quote from Jerry Falwell that is around. It was from Strength for the Journey. And he said that they had it out because of the 50th year things were going on. He said, in 1971, if I knew what I, we would be going through to create a university, I may not have started one. And that's the point. Strength for the journey. We don't know what tomorrow is going to hold for any of us. And God beautifully says, I'm not telling you. Because if you did know, you may want to quit. But he didn't promise us strength for tomorrow, faith for tomorrow. He promises it only for us today. And that's what we, Lord, take care of us today. Let me get through today. Tomorrow is going to have to handle itself. You know? Thank God for, yesterday's over. I'm in today. Tomorrow's it's going to deal with itself. Why do we need the promises of God? Because they provide hope during trials. Hope. How many of you need hope today for something you're going through? Anybody going through something that you need hope for? You know, I think all of us would raise our hand for that. In some ways, it's like, you know, Lord, we're, we're going through things that we don't necessarily know what's going to happen. They're a source of encouragement during discouraging moments. They remind us that we're not alone. Hebrews 13, 5. Someone read that for me. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I knew you were going to show up. I didn't know that you sounded like Will Kirk. <laughs> we're going to get closer to that guy. <laughs> I love that. He's all going to the back, so he's going to the You know, he says, never while I leave you. What's the whole point of this thing? He says, keep your eyes free from the love of money and be content with what you have. In other words, it's not, what he's focusing on in this last part is, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've got this. In this moment, it may be challenging for you. Trust in me. I'm with you. I am with you. I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. I will always be there with you. That doesn't mean I'm going to fix it. Ladies, you will get this better than anybody. That's a broad statement, and so it's not exclusively true. But you will get this. Okay? When, when God says, I will never leave you, never will I forsake you, when your husband is with you, and he goes, you, you tell him something, do you want him necessarily to take care of your problem and fix it? No. Sometimes yes, and many times no. 
Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because you can't. You, they, they just want you to listen. He says, I will always be there for you, but I'm not necessarily going to fix it for you. He's wise enough to know when to fix it and when to allow you to go through it. Because remember, these are physical bodies that we have. The reality is, folks, we are all dying. This is not our home. This is not the real thing in the sense of what eternity will hold for it. What we're doing right now is preparing for that. And you know what? God loves your wife. God loves your husband. God loves your child enough to say, I've got this. Let him go through it. And sometimes you want to fix it for them. And we know this. And you can talk to any administrator at Liberty University. The greatest frustration, or maybe in the school if you're a teacher, the greatest frustration is when a parent tries to fix it for their child. And they create, they create codependence for their children. And they can't handle life unless mom or dad fixes it for them. And they need to learn how to walk. They need to learn how to live life. And so do we. So do we. God wants to help us to learn to walk and trust in him every step of the way. And let me tell you, this is a learning process. I don't like that. Because I prefer being fixed. But you know, it is what it is. And there are things in your life that you'll go through that you don't want. Like me still going through puberty. You know, my voice just keeps moving down. 59-year-old going through puberty. How do you love it? It's like, it's like this week. I, I think it was, it, it was uh, Wednesday evening. Finished everything for the day. Got everything done. Cheryl's in the bedroom. She's got something on. She's doing. She's fixing up, doing some stuff. And and I, I laid down on the couch, turned on the TV, and was watching some news. Probably me TV, because I like oldies. And I get up and I like, oh my gosh, my back. Oh, oh. oh. I'm thinking to myself, Lord. I was just laying there. It's not like I was chopping wood. I didn't see a child underneath the car, and I picked up the car to save the child's life. I'm just getting out of the couch. This morning, I'm sitting there in pain and going, Lord, you could heal me. And could he? Yes. He hasn't. <laughs> I'm a little disturbed. <laughs> but the point is, is that, you know what, in everything, you just keep trusting. He says, I I'm with you, Lou. But you know what, for whatever reason, you're going to deal with this for a while. And every so often you're going to go, because <gasps> you need a little extra breath, because it hurts. It's okay. And it's okay. 
Why are God's promises trustworthy? Because God is unchanging. Malachi 3.6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. <laughs> Wish it would be, you know, he was making a clear point here. You know what? Descendants of Jacob, I am unconditional love. If I wasn't, I would have destroyed you. If you go through the Old Testament, as I know many of you have in the past, and now you're going through the New Testament, you see this over and over again. You know, I am just tired. You, you see the, the nature of God, the image of God coming out all the time, frustrated. I have loved you, I have rescued you, and you go back to fallen pagans, you, you worship idols made by hands, you're doing it again. I'm going to wipe you off, but you know what, I'll, I'll save, a, save a remnant of you. I'm not going to destroy you all. I'm going to save a remnant of you. And I continually wonder, you know, you know Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, forever. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word blessed God. John 1.1. 1, 1. Jesus is the same. Jesus, His personality, as we read in the Scriptures, is the same. And he says, you know, I, I, I am the same. God is consistent. I, I'm not going to change my mind. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm never going to change that attitude. And so if you're in your life, are going through something, and you experience something, and you wonder if God loves you, the answer is absolutely unchangeable. Yes and amen. He loves you. But he also loves you enough, just like a good parent, that he doesn't leave you, us, the way I, I am. And I know who. I know me. If, if, if I had my thinking the way things done, you know what I would be doing? I'd be probably doing something simple without the Lord in my life. I guarantee it. Because they relate to his nature. Someone read 2 Peter 1, 3, 4. These promises relate to his nature. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wow. Now that's a verse, two verses you can meditate on. And think about that. Okay? His divine power has given us everything we need to lead a godly life. Can you lead a godly life? Yes. Amen. We can. We can lead a godly life. Period. Okay? We don't have to sin. We can lead a godly life. Through what? Our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. He's given us these precious, great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Hello. In other words, he created us in his image and gave us these, these promises that we can experience the very divine nature of God, that we can experience God and who he is. That we can actually experience these things having escaped the corruption of, in the world caused by evil desires. That, that's what it is there for. But his promises are there to encourage us so that we can lead a godly life. There are two types of promises, unconditional and conditional. Unconditional is one like the Noahic covenant. 
Genesis 9 11. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. That's, that's unconditional. I'm never going to destroy the earth by water again. He will by fire. Remember? This earth is going to be destroyed by fire, but it's not going to be by water. And then there's conditional. James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, then it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So if you, if you want to have the wisdom of God, you should ask without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. So it's conditional. Give me some other conditional promises of God. There are hundreds of them. Uh, it was on the spot. If you obey your parents, then you'll live a long life. Yeah. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is the first commandment with promise that you would live long on the earth. Good. If you confess with your mouth, you should go with your heart and raise to shall be saved. Yeah. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Or the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe in your heart God has raised from the dead. You will be saved. You're not just saved automatically. There's not universal salvation. You must believe. Good. Somebody else. Tish. All the Ten Commandments. All the Ten Commandments. Are conditional on basis of what? Obedience. Obedience. Okay. If you seek me, you will find me. Excellent. If you seek me, you will find me. Yeah, done. If you pray according to my will, I'll do it. If you pray according to my will, I will do it. Sometimes we don't pray in the will of God. We pray in the will of I pray in the will of Lou. <laughs> Anybody else do that? You know? If you knock, it will be opened unto you. Amen. There's so many of those that are conditional based on the plan of God. God does not lie. Titus 1, 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. In the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, which now at his appointed season, he is brought to light through the preaching addressed to me by the command of God our Savior. The hope of eternal life. Do you believe you're going to go to heaven one day? Yes. Did you believe? Did you believe? Did you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation? Or is it Jesus plus works? Yeah. You see, Mark. October 1st, 1972. I put my trust in Jesus. Amen. Do you remember? And if you don't remember a date, it's okay. Because today's the day of salvation. The key is, is that you know now, right? Amen? Amen? No, without a doubt. God's word will not fail. Truth regarding the promises of God, it, it won't fail. Luke one thirty seven. for no word of God will ever fail. And God remembers his promises. Psalm 105, 42 to 45. Someone read that for me. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. 
He brought out his people with rejoicing, his chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, that they felt heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. See, he remembered his holy promise. God isn't, God isn't forgetful. And he knows what he's promised to you. He knows what he's promised to you. And he will fulfill that. He will do that. He will complete that. Dr. Paul's life verse, Philippians 1.6. I am grateful for this. God hasn't given up on Lou yet. I would have. I know Lou. He's my friend. But he's a mess. Philippians 1.6 says, He that hath begun a good work in you, he that hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God's sanctification is working in our lives. Purposes of God's promises, there are saving promises. Have I claimed this promise of God? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one only Son, that whoever believes in him shall never perish, not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 2.25, and this is what he promised us, eternal life. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But there's also warning promises. Do I take seriously the warnings of God? Hebrews 12.6, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Are you a child of God today? Say amen. Amen. Then God will chasten you, if needed, in his perfect wisdom and love. Understand that. There will be things that happen to us that will draw us back to a closer relationship with God. 2 Peter 2 9. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for, for punishment on the day of judgment. He knows. And he's going to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. He knows that's going to happen. That's why Esther asked for prayer that we pray. Because the wrath of God is on all of those who have not believed. But when Jesus comes into your life, you're a joint heir with Jesus. You're a child of God. Now, the, the beauty and the sadness of it is this. God knows our hearts. He knows our prayers. But I have seen it, and I think many of you have as well. You have witnessed to family. You have witnessed to friends. And they said, no. You know the reality of what's coming. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they are rejecting, but, but keep praying. Keep praying. It's the greatest power you have that God has given to you. Keep praying. That let the Holy Spirit do the work that only He can. My my sister, my oldest sister, God bless her, you know, she grew up in the 60s, went to John Hopkins University, became a nurse, married a guy that, you know, that was semi-religious, but not really. He would argue all the time the Bible and all those kinds of things with me every time we get together. Their children were raised basically very minimal, religious, not followers of Christ, going off to college, 
one still does not believe. And one went to Indiana State University to go to college. Why he chose there, I don't know. And it just so happened that his roommate was the president of Campus Crusade for Christ. <laughs> and he became a follower of Jesus by going to Indiana State University. But I'm still praying for Scott, his brother. I'm praying for nephews and nieces that still don't know Jesus. They've heard the gospel. I've shared the gospel with them. But they haven't come to Christ yet. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Motivate promises. How does God's promises motivate me to live for the Lord? 2 Corinthians 7 1 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. In other words, we don't, we don't try to live a godly life out of fear. That is the weakest reason to do good. For example, if you drive the speed limit because you're afraid of getting caught, you can do that. But on the scale of morality, that's the lowest reason possible for doing the right thing. The highest reason is because you're being consistent with your beliefs. And what we want to do as followers of Christ is to live who we are. We're saints. We're children of God. And so our motivation should be the love of God that he has for us that was so unconditional that he gave his life for us. So I purify it because of these promises that I'm going to heaven one day. Man, that's exciting. I don't understand eternity, and I don't want you right now because my brain can't handle eternity. But you know what? I'm going to heaven. No suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more cancer, no more death, no more disease. It's awesome. And mind, our minds can't even comprehend how incredible heaven's going to be. But you know what? That should motivate me to be holy. Not, I'm afraid what God's going to do to me and my hot water heater will blow up. <laughs> Why do I trust in God? His guiding promises guide our way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. He'll make your path straight. His guiding promises. He, he wants to guide us. We trust in Him because He'll guide us. He comforts us. How can these promises from God comfort our hearts and minds? Psalm 147, 3. He heals the broken hearted and binds up their wounds. Cast your cares on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. He wants you to comfort you. and Don't isolate yourself when problems come. Be around brothers and sisters in Christ and be in the presence of the Lord. And go to Him and tell Him how you're going through it. Tell Him the difficulties you're having. And He wants to comfort you. And there's hopeful promises. Last one we're dealing with. God has compassion for us. Lamentations 3, 21, 24 says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know about you. I'm a guy. So I, I know men have issues. I have issues. 
Any of you guys, when you get sick, you like to be comforted. Anybody else like to be comforted when you're not feeling good? You kind of like, you know, women oftentimes get, well, what about me when I'm sick? You know, I know we try to do our best. And so Cheryl, I have been trained well. I know exactly what's going down this week. I am all on deck. And you know what? God orchestrated this perfectly because it's fall break. So I'm going to take off Thursday and Friday, take two vacation days so I can just go. Whatever you need. Because <laughs> of the Lord's great love. I love Cheryl. So I am, you know, I am there for her. My compassion for her will not fail. What do you want, honey? I'll get it. 24-7. I say to myself, the Lord is my fortune. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is preparing a place for us in heaven. And if I go to and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. That you also may be where I am. Man. See, he wants you with him. He will wipe away all tears and heaven will be a place of peace and no more pain. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. That's a bummer to me. I, I would have loved to have had a bummer in heaven. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Can I get an amen? Amen. No more mourning or crying. Can I get an amen? amen. Or pain. Can I get an amen? amen? For the old order of things, like my back, has passed away. Hallelujah. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Write it down. You can take it to the bank. They're true. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, yes and amen. Thank you for your precious promises that are here to encourage us today. That God, that we can be excited about being a follower of Jesus. God, that we can, we can remember constantly that your Holy Spirit will bring back to our remembrance these promises when we go through challenging times in our life. When we wonder whether we can trust you, God, I pray that we will remember these and live by them and trust in them. God, thank you for your word. It's beautiful. Teach us, Lord, how to rely upon it and to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you all. Have a great week.